0: You know what? I brought my son to your disciples. My son has a demon. He throws himself in the he throws himself in the fire and the water from time to time. Goes ridges. It kind of sounds like a epileptic fit. Has these experiences, and yet your disciples were unable to set him free. So what we are facing? I just want you to picture for a moment this father. Just for a moment. You know, I don't. I don't know where you come from and what kind of situations you have faced. But all of us, at some stage, face situations that everything we have tried, it's just not worked. Yeah. You know, we've we've been to the doctors, we've been to the. Um, Health professionals, no one's been able to give us an answer or a cure for the problem that we're facing. Perhaps your marriage, you know, you've given everything into that and you've tried everything you know to make it work, and yet still there's discord and difficulty there. You know, perhaps you have a child that's lost his or her way, and daily you're praying and you're crying out for that child, but you haven't seen the kind of change that you want to. Perhaps when you turn on the news this week, you had that feeling of hopelessness. Like, oh my word, where is this nation going? And I believe this is what that father was facing. You know, he was, he was looking at his son. Every father loves their son. The dreams, the aspirations he had for him. And now it seems like those aren't going to happen. And it's just become a daily struggle to cope with this situation. And in one last desperate attempt, he says, I'm going to get him to Jesus. And he get, tries to go to Jesus and the disciples are all there. You know, sometimes the church is the biggest hindrance to Jesus. Have you noticed that? You know, people come into church and, gosh, they expect to find Jesus. and Instead, they find us. <laughs> and, you know, we're doing our best. We're trying our hardest. we we, you know, we trust in God the best we know how, but sometimes it doesn't work. And then finally, finally he meets Jesus. Jesus says this to him. He says, well, he asked, um, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. You know, I feel like God wants to come and rekindle hope in many of our hearts. I feel like, you know, this story has a really great ending. And I feel like I want to prophesy to each and every one of your hearts that your story has a great ending. Your situation has a great ending because you have persevered and you have looked past the obstacles and you've said, if I can just get to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus has the answers. Jesus has a way. And I guess Jesus was asking this father, how long has it been like this? Because he wanted to to ascertain the extent of the hopelessness in this father's heart. How long have you been battling this? Because it matters to God. What's interesting to me is that the, the father asks Jesus to have pity on him. But you know something? I just, I just, I'm so grateful to the Lord for, you know, that God is not looking at you with pity. I mean, the, we're going to see as the, in, the, as the interaction goes on how God brings him, Jesus brings him out of that place of almost self-pity into a place of faith. But you know, God doesn't look at you as this poor, helpless person who just can't make it. No, seriously. I want you to understand that. That's not God's heart for you. He's not looking into your soul and saying, Oh my gosh, I really messed up when I made that person. Look at them. Jeepers, they just don't have what it takes. You know, all that man could muster up was... Oh, God, have pity on me. Just, You don't have to love me. Just, just ah, throw me the scraps. And yet Jesus, seeing his heart, starts to work. There's a scripture that's written many thousands of years ago. It's in Isaiah 64, and it goes like this from the first verse. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you since ancient times no one has heard no ear no ear has perceived no eye has seen any god beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him i feel like in each and every one of our hearts god has put this prayer i feel like this is the cry of the people of god that we don't want to just live mediocre lives. We don't want to just live ordinary, just as good as our neighbor lives. Because what does that make God? If we call God our Lord, our Savior, surely our lives must be marked by a sense of victory that is bigger than the person next to us. And thousands of years ago, the people of Israel were crying out, God, we're suffering. Come and tear open the heavens and come down. Come tear open the barriers between us and you and come and make yourself known. Do something spectacular. How do you feel about the situations you're in now, the situations in this nation? I don't know. That's the cry of my heart. God, come and do something spectacular. Display your glory in the nations. Let people see that you are the good God that you claim to be. What if I tell you this? What if I tell you this that he's already reigned the heavens? What if I tell you that when Jesus came here, you remember we talked about this. I think it was last week, how when Jesus was baptized, it says that the heavens were torn. And the Holy Spirit came down on him. That when Jesus hung on the cross, that giant curtain that stood as a barrier between the ordinary person and the presence of God was torn from top to bottom. What if I tell you? that God has already rent the heavens and he has come down. What if I tell you that you are the answer to the problems around you? What if I tell you that he came down in the form of the Holy Spirit and he came and he lived in you? What if I tell you that you carry the power of the almighty God in your body, in your physical being? What if I tell you that above you there is an open heaven that is permanently determined not by your goodness but by the blood of Christ? What if I tell you that this nation crying out for redemption and hope is actually crying out for the sons of God to rise up and be counted? That all of creation, the Bible says, groans for the re- revealing of the sons of man. And I hear the Spirit of God speaking to each and every one of your hearts. You're not a pitiful, poor, hard done by person. That of course you're weak and you're human and you have your faults and your failings. But there is a God who speaks worlds into existence and he lives in you and he's rising up as the Lion of Judah and he is roaring through you, that there is a solution, that he is on the throne and that there are no impossible situations. God, can you tell I feel this is to be true? The story goes on and Jesus says... To the Father, if you can believe, everything is possible for him who believes. And believe it or not, this believing that Jesus is talking about is not just, you know, you know how I'm sure you've done it, I've done it. It's like when you're facing um, difficult circumstances, you know, you just kind of pressurize yourself work hard to just believe the truth. So it's like, tell yourself, no, I'm more than a conqueror. No, I'm more than a conqueror. No, then I'm more than a conqueror. And it's like this, this moment of intense brainwashing you try to do to yourself. Has anyone ever done that? And you know what? I, sometimes it actually works. So I'm not saying don't do it. But I'm saying Jesus wasn't really talking about that here. He was talking about something a little bit different. When he talked about that word, believes, it literally means to think to be true. And what he's saying is he's saying that anything is possible when you align your thinking with mine. It's really what he's saying. He's saying if you examine your belief system and you take it out of your own ability to reason through the situation, and you simply take your thinking and you align it with my thinking, you choose to think the way I think, there's going to be a change. And when we align our thinking in that way, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You know, what? this economy in South Africa right now is in a bad way. But I'm going to tell you something. If you align your thinking with God, if necessary, ravens will come and feed you meat and bread, like he did in the, to Elijah. If necessary, you will, you will find a little bottle of oil in your kitchen, and you will keep pouring in it and it will never stop. And you will sell it to all your neighbors, as he did in the Bible. If necessary, white flakes will fall out of the... F- sky and land on your grass and you will pick up manna in the mornings do you know what i'm saying is that we we serve a god of the impossible and uh, it's unlikely that those wild things will happen but they can you know it may be something more subtle like you just wake up in the morning with this great business idea it may just be that the milk in your fridge never runs out Andrew would rather have the Coke in the fridge not run out. But nonetheless. But when I think of a line thinking, I kind of think of surfing. How many of you have ever surfed? I know we live in Johannesburg, so surfing is not really our thing. But nonetheless, if th- those of you who have grown up at the sea, which I didn't, so I've never surfed. I have, I've made an attempt to bodyboard, and it was such a disaster. I felt like I would leave it to the Durbanites. But, you know, I think, I think about aligning my thinking with God like surfing. It's like, it's like God's truth is rolling in like a giant wave. Yeah. You know, I want to promise you this, that God is coming to South Africa. Yes. I want to promise you that it's coming like a tidal wave. Yeah. But we are either going to be bowled over by it. You remember when you were young and you went swimming in the sea? And that big wave came and you weren't quite ready for it. And you just tumbled upside down, inside out. You came up spewing seawater from every place. Sand in your hair, sand in your ears. You know, you remember that. Cleaned out sinuses. You remember that experience. <laughs> oh, we can, we can stand on the board of our belief system. And we can say there is a good and faithful God and when that wave comes, we are found standing already. And that wave takes us, and we we enjoy the ride. We find ourselves flying and flipping through the air like they do. I don't know. It just looks absolutely amazing. That we ride the wave of his grace and his goodness. And the way you do that is by aligning your thinking to his. So that instead of a hopeless attitude, there's a, an attitude that's just God is doing something great. Even this situation is going to bless me and my neighbors. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to stand up and be counted with the truth that I know. (laughs) There's a man called Isaac Litsky. And he did a TED Talk recently that I listened to. And he introduced me to this concept of awfulizing. Which literally means that there is a space in your future that you don't understand or you don't know. And the temptation of every human being is to fill that space with the most awful possibilities that you can think of. You know how it goes, your husband's a little bit late home from work and immediately, oh, he's been in a car accident. No, no, sorry, you're all looking at me like, what, isn't that true? Or you're... Your child comes home dejected from school, she shouldn't do so well in her test, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to fail. Are you just not smiling because it's too close to home? (laughs) You know how it is. He made the statement, which I love. He says, your fears distort your reality under the warped logic Of fear, anything is better than uncertainty. Fear fills the void at all costs. But there's another scripture that I want to read to you. It's Isaiah 53, and it says this. Talking about Jesus, it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And it literally means the power of the Lord. Surely he has borne our griefs or our sicknesses and has carried our sorrows or our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded or pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised or crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or blows that cut in we are healed. So you can think of the most awful future ever. I want to tell you, Jesus has already taken care of that. He's already made provision for that. You can step into your future with great confidence. And, you know, I, I, I love this because what it does is that it puts all of the possible bad things in your life in perspective. It takes Pains, sorrows, you know, those emotional stresses that we face, the physical problems, the sicknesses, the diseases, and it puts it on Jesus, and it says that in the atonement, every single one of those are taken care of. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Such a great statement because we all feel it so often. You know what? In our minds... We all as Christians love Jesus, believe him, but at the, sometimes there's also this niggling doubt. <laughs> Maybe he won't come through it for us. Maybe it won't happen like we thought it would. And it's like we have two streams of water in our minds, a very muddy, filled with fear and anxiety kind of stream, and one clear, blue, perfect stream, which is the, the word of God and his truth. But the fear of the unknown creates a pullback to the familiar, which means that we often choose what we know above what is true. Yeah. You know, I just want to say this. I came from a culture where it was normal to date a lot of men before you got married and to try them out. You know what I'm saying? Till you got the right one. You know, when I met Jesus, I had to make a choice. Was I going to go the way that felt comfortable and known to me? Or was I going to choose truth, which was that God had a husband for me and that I didn't have to go and try out 25 different men, but I could trust and wait for the one that God would bring? You know which one I chose. But I feel like every culture has some really great things in it, but it also has some really ungodly things in it. Because if it didn't, it would be Christianity. You understand what I'm saying? And I think the challenge for all of us is to leave behind some of those comfortable thinking patterns, those ways of doing it, and say, no, I'm going to choose truth above that. What are you going to do when you have children and your your family ask them to pre- ask you to present them to the ancestors? <laughs> you know what the ancestors are too busy worshiping Jesus or dealing with the fire and worms. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're not particularly interested, believe it or not, in your children. But God really is. So present them to Jesus. You know, when there are expectations on you from the culture that you come from that run contrary to the lifestyle Jesus is calling you to, what are you going to do? And I feel like just make that decision now. I'm going to choose to go the other way. I'm going to live the other way. I'm, even if I, I'm open to ridicule, the glory of God will descend on me in that sacrifice and the world around me will see that my choice was right in time. There's an interesting story in Luke 9. A rich man comes to Jesus and he says this. He asks if he can follow him. And Jesus answers him, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their, de- their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I mean, was Jesus saying you can't bury your, your family? No, he wasn't saying that at all. Because in those times, it was a very hot climate. When someone died, they buried them very quickly because us, the smell was overpowering. Sorry to be so crude. But the bottom line is that this man wasn't saying, can I quickly go and bury my dead father? He was saying, I want to go and work for my father who is still alive. And when he dies and I get my inheritance, then I will bury him. And as a rich man, I will come and serve you. What was he saying? He said, I want want to follow my culture and have my culture's blessing before I come after Jesus. And Jesus was saying, that's not going to work for me. That's not going to work for me. So we're going to end dualism, dual thinking. Jesus goes on and he says, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. God has a power encounter with all the forces of evil that are harming you. And he is going, he is already one. If you see those arm wrestling arms up there, you know, sometimes people have this idea that the, that God and the devil or Jesus and the devil are somehow wrestling over people's souls. (laughs) Listen to me, church. The devil is just one of God's created angels. There is no contest between God and the devil. Do you understand that? When God walks into the room, the devil walks out as fast as he can. He flees a hundred ways. When God comes and stands and and is counted, the enemy is running as fast as he can. And I feel like God wants in each and every one of our lives a power encounter. He, he wants you to face those demonic things in your life, the, the thoughts, the negative ways of thinking, the, the disease in your body, the shame or difficulties in your families. Good. And he wants to come and stand in, next to you and flex his muscles. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to show you a video, a very short video, but... You know, I've heard it said that Christianity is a white man's religion. Have you heard that? So let's just shoot some sacred cows right now. Are you all good with that? Take out your shotgun and just shoot that one. But I'm going to show you a, a pictorial representation of how the gospel has spread through the world over the ages. You will see the gospel as a white area on the map. You will see Islam and... Communism is different colors and how they they covered the land at different times. But what I want you to notice is how early on the gospel came to Africa. It didn't cover the whole of Africa until recently, but in its very essence, the gospel belongs to every person. I want to tell you this really great story is that you will see on the map that Ethiopia was one of the bastions of Christianity throughout the Middle Ages. They held on to some of the purest forms of Christianity, and some of their teachers fed back into Europe to restore Christianity where it had been compromised. There's a story of one of their monks who's called Tiklahe Muton. I'm, I'm sure I've butchered his name. But the story goes like this, that he at one stage, was challenging some pagan priests in Ethiopia. And the king at that time got really sick, and the pagan priests tried to heal him but were to no avail. Tikla arrived there and laid his hands on him, and the king was healed. And the king said, Oh, my word, now we will prove which is true, this pagan religion or Christianity. And he set up this giant bonfire, and he said to the pagan priests, The five, him who... Um, can be baptized by fire and survive, is the one I will believe. Put the pagan priests in the fire, of course they died. Put old Tikla in that fire, he was not touched. He came out unscathed, and Christianity exploded over Ethiopia. Today, African Christianity boasts staggering growth statistics. In 1900, we had 80, 8.7 million. In 2000, million. And in 2025, it is estimated there, there will be 633 million Christians in Africa. The reason I share this with you is just to tell you this, that there is a power encounter between God and this world, and God is winning. There is a power encounter between God and the forces of evil arrayed against you, and God is winning. That your family is going from strength to strength. I don't care what... Your circumstances are speaking to you. I am here to tell you that there is a God who has rent the heaven. He has come down. He is living inside of you. And he is rising up like the Lion of Judah in you to speak to those circumstances and see them changed. I want to declare right now to every sickness and disease in this room, you must go in Jesus' name. I want to speak to every broken relationship in this room. And I want to say you must be healed. I want to speak to every lost loved one represented by people in this room, and I say, come home in Jesus' name. We speak right now to this nation of South Africa, and we say, receive your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We speak to the leaders of this nation, to our government, to our president, to our cabinet ministers, to our shadow governments in opposition. We speak to each of them, and we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord over them also. We speak visions, dreams, understandings to come to them that have not been there before. We declare that they will say and do what is right. And if they will not, that they will step aside, and God will put the men and women in place who will do that. We just declare right now that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath, that God is with us, that God is operating to bring about a revival in this nation that the entire world will stand up and take note that he is God he is the Lord of Africa and that he is able to save in power amen and amen and amen thank you father thank you father thank you can we just stand I want to pray if I haven't prayed already but I'm going to pray again (laughs) Lord we just declare right now Lord Father, God, I just, right where you are, I want you to bring your impossible situations before God. Can you do that? And I want you to just, I want you to speak to them out loud with a voice of authority. And I want you to say this. In Jesus' name. name. I speak to the situation and name it. and And I command right now that the will of God is done here. I declare that I belong to Jesus, that He is my Lord and Savior, that He has reigned the heavens, that His power dwells in me. And as I declare His goodness, every situation must conform to His goodness. And I speak once more to the situation And I say, come in line with God's truth in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Church, we cannot afford to be hopeless at this time, really, because what hopelessness will do, it will cause you to agree with the enemy. And what you will do is you will empower the negative forces that are trying to take over our nation. Seriously, you cannot afford to be hopeless at this time. You cannot afford to think thoughts that are not God's thoughts about you, about your family, about your finances, about your studies, about your health. You cannot afford to do it because we are in a battle and the enemy is looking to pick off those people who will agree with him. And I'm speaking to your souls right now and I'm saying this. Align your thinking with what is true. Align your thinking with what is God. rekindle hope. End that double thinking in your mind and choose to think the thoughts of God and expect a power encounter in your life. Stand, believe, declare. Do not flinch in front of the negative things that are happening. Stand knowing that your God will come through for you. Amen and amen. And if you die trying, so what? There are things worse than death. I'm sorry if I sound so extreme, but what I'm saying is, oh my word, there is nothing that the enemy can take from us. Do you understand that? There is nothing that he can take from us because our future, our eternal future is assured in Jesus. There is no place for fear in our that heart. That open heaven will become a, a flood of his truth through us to transform. Amen. Awesome. One last thing I want to do. I want to ask if there is anyone. You can you can sit down. I am gonna stop soon, don't worry. Otherwise, you're gonna be asking God for a power encounter right in front of me to make me be quiet. There's some things that you've done that you just feel like, God, I want to, I just wanna be free of that. There are some people here that you you feel like you've been living a double life that Lord on Sunday, but other days of the week, not so much. And I feel like God wants to end that because it's it's something that troubles you, and you would like to be the good person you desire to be, but you've you've battled with that. And I feel like God wants to set you free. I also feel that there are some people here that you've been just doing Christianity just because it's the right thing to do, and that that sense of God's presence with you or that sense of belonging is missing. And for those three groups of people, I just want to pray for you. If you are one of those, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. And you would like to pray for that. Thank you. Thank you. Just raise it up high. Thank you. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask this, this for you. I know some of you are already born again. Some of you, you just want to make that new commitment in this. And I'm going to ask those of you who've raised your hands if you wouldn't mind standing. And we're going to pray a particular prayer. Church, if we can pray it all together, can we just pray this? Lord Jesus, once again, I give my heart to you. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for my past. Lord, I ask that you would come and meet me in my loneliness. Lord, I pray that you would separate me from religious duty into delighting you. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen and amen.